Welcome to the Soul Samples Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Lens Daniel. And I'm Sydney Daniel. And this podcast is an opportunity for us to share what's on our minds, but it's soul samples. So we're going to offer you samples for your soul, whether it just be on the music side of things, but also our Christian faith walk and journey. So we're excited for you guys to listen. We're hopeful to make this more consistent so you guys can have something to chew on every week. So continue to listen. Last week, we talked about Jesus um, in the waters of baptism. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is the way that Matthew structures the life of Jesus according to his point of view, because it's the gospel according to Matthew, is he he kind of shapes Jesus's life after Israel. Mm -hmm. And so we'll see, last week we talked about the waters, and this week we'll talk about the wilderness Mm -hmm. and how those two scenes shape the identity of Israel, but also Jesus is going to make a new shape out of it. But before we jump in to the scriptures and the, the, all that good stuff, we, we had a, a, a moment <laughs> at the movie theater a couple days ago. This is like Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. We go to the movie theaters just to relax um, and enjoy Shang-Chi. I think I said I think right. that's how you say it. Shang-Chi. Okay. Um, the Ten Rings. Mm -hmm. Marvel movie, which any Marvel movie tends to be done, produced pretty well. Mm -hmm. So it was exciting because we got the tickets, we set ourselves up, and we started watching it. Yeah, Um, and and I should just say, the movie theater is my happy place. I love the movie theater going experience, right? I love, mm -hmm. I don't know if I should admit this, but here we are. Usually, I like bring like my own snack or something because I think it's criminal how much they charge for snacks. But this time, I even went to the concession stands and bought the popcorn and some pop or I guess soda. Uh, depending on where you're from. <laughs> depending on where you're from, and got the chocolates, all that, right? Like we were set up ready to go. I love watching the previews. I feel like a movie critic myself when the lights begin to dim. The joy I feel in my heart, I can't explain. So I just, I love going to the movies. I'm so happy that we get to kind of go back to the movie theaters after, you know, such a long time without it. Anyway, sorry, just want to preface with that. I really want to emphasize that. I love, love, love the movie going experience. And part of the movie going experience is like going with someone. I know Sid, you go by yourself sometimes, (laughs) which is totally fine. I've never been able to. Um, go by myself I'm usually going with someone so I can have conversation mm-hmm. and that's part of it and I think that's also part of our relationship yeah. in our marriage we uh, spend a lot of time talking and dialoguing yeah. as events happen right. when we watch The Bachelor oh, or The Bachelorette yeah. or Bachelor in Paradise or any show on TV we're talking we're talking yeah. through uh, the psychology of each person <laughs> right. and their personality <laughs> and the you know absence or presence of some trauma that influences their decision all this stuff Mm -hmm. Um, communication skills you know you name it so part of our our friendship that we built on that level is like we talk about what's going on yeah and so in the movie theater (laughs) like labor day again everyone's kind of out yeah we we got our tickets early Mm -hmm. 
and tried to get spots away from people yeah. just because of COVID. And, yeah. And they wouldn't let us, which makes right. sense because the, the actual movie theater got filled up, at least the spots where people like to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And so then we were watching it, and it starts out like any Marvel movie mm-hmm. with a bunch of like funny scenes, and right. you're just enjoying the action and the back and forth of each character. Um, and we highly recommend the movie. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, it was, I thought it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so as we're kind of doing our conversational thing, our dialogue, and we weren't like we're talking, talking over the movie yeah. yet, just to be clear. We're not talking over It's like over one-liners the movie. we're saying, like, yeah. oh, like that was, that was stupid, or oh, that's, you uh, know, just little things. Him. Yeah. When um, um, his, his girlfriend crashes the... Well, the I know, but... Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when Sean's girlfriend crashes the bus, I think I said something like, oh, that's brutal or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. And then the girl next to us looks at me and says, can you guys be quiet, please? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah, we will. And so that was, that was <laughs> tough for us. Our, our, our experience was dampened. Yes. And... Uh, I honestly didn't think we were talking that much. Right. I, Lens is way more humble than, than I am. I also didn't hear what she said. I just heard Lens's response. Like, I just heard Lens say, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, wait, what just happened? And she's like, and he's like, oh, she has to be quiet. And I was like, oh, like, I, <laughs> I'm a little prideful. And I was just like, oh, we weren't, again, I get it. If we're having a full-blown conversation, like, that is, you want to be respectful of, like, the other viewers of the movie. Like, I don't want to do all that, but we really weren't doing the most. Like, I really want to emphasize that. I really feel like we weren't. Like, there was just a couple of comments here and there, and that's, like, also kind of part of it. Like, being in the movie theater, like, I'm just, I'm resolved that she has no business being in the movies. Because you, that's just part of it. If you get so riled up by, like, someone saying, oh, that's brutal. Like, Girl, <laughs> is yeah. how I feel, <laughs> and I, I think it's it. You know, it's two different perspective walking into the movie. I totally expected to just be conversing the whole time, saying one liners with everything, because that's just how I watch, and that's how our relationship is. Yeah. But I think for her, it seemed like she wanted it to be a little bit more like, all right, you know, a giggle, a chuckle here. It's fine, but like... But yeah. anything beyond that is just a nuisance yeah. and you shouldn't be here. So it de- it definitely got to me and I, I just didn't um, externalize it. But when she said not to say anything, I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like we have like... It, we're at the movie theaters with the reclinable, like yeah. really nice, lush chairs and people are pressing the button and it goes eh, yeah the, the eh, chairs made <laughs> they really didn't make a lot of they made a lot of noise noises yeah. obnoxious noise and i could see her just be unsettled crazy. every time she'd look over right if anyone started like piping up a little bit more than i guess a whisper level she would just kind of feel oh see i didn't see that yeah, yeah. discomfort so it was just like ah, come on man it's just this it's not let's not make this bigger than it is yeah and yeah but at the same time maybe we're not supposed to talk it says we're not supposed to talk in the movies and or have your phone out so i'm trying to take a step back and putting myself in her shoes maybe we're annoying maybe we're annoying i don't know i want our 10 listeners to tell me what they think like is again i'm not talking about full-blown full-blown conversations i'm just saying like 
you know, a couple little comments here and there, a couple little one-liners, is that, like, disrespectful? Like, do I need to humble out and be like, okay, yeah, like, I will repent and change my ways, and I will no longer do this while watching movies? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not fully convinced that we were in the wrong, but I also know pride comes before the fall, so maybe I'm just not seeing yeah. it clearly. Yeah, and I've never, I've never had that experience before where someone right. is a little frustrated that I... We're talking a little bit. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty normal, normal. casual. Like, well, maybe not. Kind of yeah. situation. So it's only one perspective or our perspective coming right. in. So there possibly could be, it could be different. Um, but I, I do want to link up a little bit to what the movie is about. Uh, and we're not going to spoil yeah, it. No spoilers. But what's central and key to the movie is the main character's search or honestly... I wouldn't even say search. I think he gives up on his identity Mm -hmm. because of how hard his past has been. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting how profound identity is Mm -hmm. because it connects with like two B words, not actual curse words, but belonging and becoming, Mm. right? So identity is just not like something that just manifests on its in its own right. It is something that comes with belonging to a, a group yeah. of people, yeah. your family, mm-hmm. your friends, your culture. And then it's also becoming something right. through maturity, yeah. through time. You navigate more of your internal self and external self and you're, you're connecting these dots together and, and you're becoming more of yourself yeah. the more you grow. And I think that's so interesting, especially in the movie. And again, we don't want to spoil it. That's key to what's oh, happening for, sure. yeah. for every character, not just him, because yeah. he has a sister and then his longtime friend as well. Um, it's not spoiler. <laughs> it is really not I just spoiler. mouth spoiler. It's but, not a spoiler at okay. all. But, it, but that's part of yeah. you know, the movie is identity. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what this podcast, or at least this episode... This week is we're going to really touch on the identity. And we're going to start a little bit back to last week's episode Mm -hmm. where we talked about the waters. So let's jump into that real quick before we move forward. So I want you guys to take a moment to remember what we talked about last week. Jesus is at the waters. Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 He's baptized by John the Baptist, who struggles to baptize him. And then he's given his identity by the Father's voice. It says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And we're talking about identities because of the great Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And I think identities are really key to our person. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a Dutch priest, his name is Henry Nouwen. He's wrote so many books and really influential person in general. And he, he has this quote about identity that has always been um, helpful for me for years. And he says, we find an identity in part by what others say about us. And what others say about us shapes our self-identity, meaning what they say about us has kind of rolls around in our heads and we start to imagine who we are. And then that identity is not necessarily something we found on our own. 
just like we go on a journey and we find it, we run into it. Mm-hmm. He kind of submits to us that identities are not found, but given. And ultimate identities or true identities can only be given by God. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing in the passage with Jesus at the waters is he's kind of acknowledged with his true identity being the son of God, which has many implications Mm -hmm. for Jesus himself and for us Mm -hmm. that he's loved and that God is well pleased with Mm -hmm. him. And I think for me on a, a real personal level, like I talked about it a moment ago, aspects of identity is belonging and becoming. Mm -hmm. So I just take a moment to kind of dialogue back and forth on it. We're just probably talking about one at a time, one of these B words at a time. Mm -hmm. Belonging. Mm -hmm. Who would you say you belong to? What identity Mm -hmm. do you belong to? Or more so, what social circle, what group, what fam, what, what is like Sydney belongs to this? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great, it's a great question. I think it's also, I never thought about identity as belonging and becoming before. Mm -hmm. And I love that because I think that just rings really true. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, And and yeah, that resonates um, Mm -hmm. quite deeply. And so thinking about, yeah, belonging, I, whew. Yeah, who do I who do I belong to? That's a great question to ask. I think it's a great question just to ask ourselves periodically. Like, who do I belong to? I mean, I think of just in my mind, I kind of break it down into different aspects that kind of make up your identity. So I think about breaking it down, um, like in racial categories. So mm-hmm. my dad's black, my mom's white. So I belong to this kind of biracial. Uh, you know, identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a woman, so I belong to that gender sure. and identify as a woman, right? So that is my gender identity. Um, I am, I am heterosexual, right? So I, I kind of I go to to that uh, identity for my sexuality. I am a Christian. I studied social work in my undergrad and in grad school, so I must I identify as a social worker. Um, I am a wife, I am a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a granddaughter, I'm a niece, I'm a friend, right? I, I think about my relationships with other people. Um, yeah, and I'm also, I grew up uh, in like a middle class family and community. So even mm-hmm. the socioeconomic yeah. kind of status is another, you know, place where you can kind of be like, okay, yeah, this is where I belong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think uh, what's interesting about each thing you belong to or identity you kind of belong to it attaches itself to a subgroup of people mm-hmm. its own culture you know yeah whether it be the culture of what a wife is or mm-hmm. you know the identity of white or the biracial or mixed identity yeah. that's a group of people that have a similar understanding and purview of your your kind of perspective mm-hmm. you carry that with you and all of these things kind of create in us a reality that we live in called our bodies Mm -hmm. and so these identities are now meshing together pressing up against each other to make you as a person which is very unique and distinctive and that's what god would then say is the image of god Mm -hmm. all aspects of ourselves 
reflect the image of God. Obviously, we know central to that is our Christian faith, to say we are Christian. All of our identities press into the Christian lens as opposed to some people saying, which I vehemently like think is off is to say that all of our identities dissolve into Christ, like our Christian identity. It's mm. more so they press into it and our Christian identity essentially appropriates them. And for me, like I grew up, my parents are immigrants um, from Haiti, um, black. We grew up pretty, we were poor. We're, we're, I wouldn't say poor, poor, but like we didn't have all the resources in the world. And mm-hmm. so we stretched, my parents stretched a lot, worked you know, two jobs. And so what's in my identity now, because I, my parents did what they did, is just this, this resilient, hardworking spirit to get things done no yeah. matter yeah. the adversity. Obviously, m- male, um, a husband, heteronormative as well. Yeah. There's just these, these groups that I start to belong to that I can identify with. And so those things, I'm one of, I'm the second of seven, mm-hmm. part of a huge family. Yeah. That shaped me. And so identity is a part of this belonging because when we're in like backs against the wall, what are we turning to? We're going right. to turn to where we belong to. For sure. Now in our current culture, identity then takes on the shape of some political ideology, whether it's a liberal sense of seeing the world or it's a conservative sense of seeing the yeah. world whether it's a you know progressive sense or kind of more traditional more traditional yeah. and so now now these identities are becoming something that rise up to the surface but i think identities have always been a part of us yeah does your belonging turn into a tribe i think that's where it gets problematic mm. and that's a good point kind of circling back to what you're talking about like this idea of your identities dissolving into your christian identity and how you don't necessarily agree with that Mm -hmm. i appreciate that because i think i've heard like a lot of times like oh like i am a christian so kind of in a sense like so nothing else matters and that you know like i'm a christian first and and i think people's and, and i don't know i mean i think people can kind of help me out, you know, help me understand their perspective. But I feel like when I hear that, I hear a couple of things. I think I hear one side where I think folks are trying to, um, they are kind of trying to to dissolve the tensions in our world, right? Right. I think the heart is like, oh, I don't want, you know what I'm saying? I don't want these, this conflict, this tension. Mm -hmm. Let's, right, let's kind of, I want this to go away. Um, But I think for me, sometimes when, when I hear that, I can kind of feel like, oh, the other parts of me don't matter, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's what doesn't sit right with me because I don't think kind of what you're saying, I think that's true because I think every human being, all all aspects of ourselves, all aspects of our identity reflect God. And I don't think we can, and I don't think it's doing, I just don't think it's doing human beings justice by saying other parts of our identity or I don't, I don't want to say don't matter because I don't think that's what people mm-hmm. are saying. But I think that's sometimes that how it can be perceived, right? right. Um, but it's not necessarily yeah that these other parts don't matter. It's just that again, like you said, it doesn't dissolve into your Christian identity. It what it, what was the other word you used? It, it presses into. It presses into it. Yeah, like kind of like you said, kind of shapes your perspective, helps give you a different perspective, helps can help actually with 
understanding and uh, I like I heard something that was I can't remember who said it but it was like unity does not mean uniformity for sure and I really did love that like thinking specifically kind of in the Christian church in that context right we talk about oh we're striving for unity um, but again remembering unity does not mean we all look the same, think the same, act the, well, act the same in the sense of like where we have these standards, but yeah, like not acting the same, you know, same. but I think that's yeah. a good point. Like that's not what we're after, you know, because yeah. that, that doesn't do, I think, God's church justice. It doesn't do the image of God justice. Yeah. If God, yeah. if God had like set out to make men and women, male and female in his image, yeah. he created them, yeah. then all of us would look the same. Mm-hmm act the same all that stuff we would be the same skin color we would have the same eye color but i think if we think of god as an artist Mm -hmm. and as each one of us as a masterpiece our distinct differences only are highlight when we are standing beside someone that is different. different yeah and so that the beauty is when we are collectively together when the church actually represents the church the body of mm-hmm. jesus we all press up against each other in our differences different way of thinking different mm-hmm. backgrounds to represent a fuller image of jesus yeah and so in this conversation of belonging our identities are pressed into the mold into jesus's mold yeah not necessarily dissolving into and then the only thing left is jesus that's that's not necessarily what he wants because he the value is in the difference. The value is that the difference is then shaped towards Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the belonging. Yeah. What does becoming mean? Mm. If you have all of these different identities, and now becoming now throws in our life experiences yeah. into it, our growth, our sickness, our health, our traumas, our fears, and then says... What do you become? Yeah. What does your identity become mm. at the end of this? Do you have any thoughts on becoming? Yeah, I I think that is, is tricky for me because I don't I don't really know who I'm becoming or who I've become. You know, I think that that is and again, another great question because I think it's very much tied into kind of what you're saying, like your life experiences. Uh, I think it's also, again, very closely tied to this idea of of your belonging. So if I felt like I belonged somewhere, I think that then ties into me feeling more comfortable in this aspect of my identity and kind of becoming, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, just kind of becoming more, I guess, like, yeah, comfortable in this aspect. So I think, for example, like being biracial, um, I always struggled with that identity being half white and half black. Like I always remember, you know, uh, going to family reunions on my dad's side, me and my sisters were were the white girls, right? Um, But then also growing up in a, you know, neighborhood in a school that was mostly white, I remember little comments from friends talking about, oh, you're like the nicest black girl, you know, we we Mm -hmm. know those little microaggressions like that or, um, you know, I remember this one boy in junior high was talking about, like, he, he said something, I think he was trying to embarrass me about, like, oh, why does your hair get bigger, like, as the day goes on or whatever, and, you know, little things like that, where you're just like, where do I belong, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and I did. I think I did feel more accepted um, by the black community. So it was very hard for me. So I guess kind of getting to your question of like how, who, who have I become or what am I thinking about this idea of becoming? I feel like I have in my life was like really kind of holding more tightly onto this identity of being black, right? I am a black woman. Um, but now I think I'm, I'm challenged with also recognizing I, I am black and white, right? I cannot deny that I am half black and half white, right? How do I embrace, you know, that identity? And, you know, there's, there's a lot of nuance to it. There's a lot of different, you know, colorism is a real thing. And there's all these, you know, there's all these things, right? So, um, I think for me, this idea of becoming is very much like, yeah, I think wherever I felt like I belonged most, I think really went into how I kind of viewed myself and who I was becoming as a person. Yeah. They're, they're both pretty closely tied together. I I think in my personal journey and experience in life, I obviously didn't have to wrestle with my identity too much in the sense of I was black. My parents both black. It was really easy. Um, Being an immigrant, Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily felt like I belonged to this country. Yeah. Even though you, you and, moved here when you're like a year and a half. Yeah, like, yeah. I was younger, yeah. but it didn't matter. Um, yeah. There's a, a reality of not feeling like you're a part of something because of mm-hmm. certain um, restrictions. It was always harder for me to get things done because I wasn't a U.S. citizen. You know, and so many experiences I can lift off, list off because yeah. of that reality. But that shaped who I became um, because I didn't, I wasn't born here. There's not this natural attachment to the country. Yeah. It's not natural attachment to having pride and being American. Um, part of it is because I'm I'm not an American. So there's there's that tension and the rub of who I became was nest more someone that's like wants the best for the country he lives in and wants the best for the country because he believes that it can be amazing and great. Yeah, yeah. But maybe I don't hold to being so uber proud mm-hmm. um, that I carry a sense of deep patriotism. Um, because there are times, I think for me, my belonging shapes my becoming because yeah. I felt rejected by right. the country. Right. And so my becoming was, yes, I want the best to happen in this country because I live here yeah. and I want good things to happen grew up here. in spaces where my family and our friends are. Yeah. But I wasn't always so like clenching my um, hands and white knuckling the everything that happens here. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to be critical or anything like that, just very much this is how I felt, yeah. that's how I went yeah. through it. And so I've accepted that. And But I also feel like it gave me more hope for the country because I wasn't always tied to what we have to do here. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could do whatever. That's kind of what... Um, the country kind of built itself on yeah. but not to derail myself too much from what I became with someone that kind of was always a little bit more skeptical about what happens in our country and our government and the processes of everything yeah. and in general it created an identity that hoped a lot more honestly mm. um, my parents being immigrants and and being as successful as they have been yeah. developed more hope in me for sure and I think hope in this country 
which is a huge thing when you're here and, and things or the, the odds are stacked against you. Um, and so that's who I became along with so many other things, um, trauma, loss, yeah. rejection, um, how long it took me to graduate college. Mm-hmm. It developed in me these kind of strains of strands of identity that tied into a bigger thread or rope that is who I have become mm-hmm. today. And what we're about to see in the scripture is that Jesus' moment of belonging and becoming in his identity, being acknowledged by God as someone that is that is loved by him and his son, and he's well pleased, helped him become something that he needed to become mm-hmm. um, in the wilderness. And it's so interesting. There's a I like the uh, the wordplay that Jesus goes through the wilderness. No, he goes through the waters and enters the wilderness. But he doesn't go to the wilderness alone. Mm-hmm. And so we'll find out who will be there with him. So imagine you're in the wilderness. Wilderness is just a nice way of saying the desert. Mm-hmm. And you're fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. And at the end of the fast, you meet someone. Uh, someone that wants the worst of you. Mm. Period. He wants to to surface things about your identity that aren't so great. Yeah. And that's what's real too. Like let's be honest, our identities are not pure hearted and pure oh. motivated. It's there's some ugliness in it that's attached to it. For sure. There's beauty in the chaos of our identities. And so this is what we're seeing the tempter Satan do to Jesus. He's, his identity is acknowledged by the Father, which is the highest sense of praise. Dave Lomas says, this is the truest thing about you. Those three things that the Father says to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the wilderness is a place of testing. Yeah. Jesus' identity is tested. But we'll read the first two verses. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. My version says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for, by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple, right? Yeah, I'd be hungry too. I'm hungry yeah. after like four hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, imagine the hunger of 40 days. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Jesus' yeah. Spirit-led entrance into the wilderness reminds us of a group of people that spent time in the wilderness not led by the Spirit, in Jesus' case, but by God. They didn't spend 40 days, but they spent 40 years. Yeah. Jesus is copying uh, the journey of the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And the surprising thing about Israel's journey is that from Egypt to the Promised Land, it's supposed to be two weeks, mm-hmm. and it ended up being 40 years. Wow. Wait, That's, so you're saying the route from Egypt to the Promised Land yep. would have taken, like, Two weeks. Two weeks sure. yeah. on foot. The The way they were going, it would have taken two weeks. Okay. So Egypt wow. to the land of Cana, where it's flowing with milk and honey, mm-hmm. like abundance. 14 days turned to 40 years. 14 days turns into 40 years. And so it's just kind of a wandering of people. Mm-hmm. And Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and this is important because Deuteronomy is a book of about Moses' final words before they actually receive 
the promised land after 40 years. This is after the older generation dies out. And it's right before Moses himself has to die because he will not be able to enter into the promised land. And so he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, he says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. This is what the wilderness means in Moses' perspective. And mm-hmm. among anybody, he probably has the best perspective because he was right, there the right. whole time leading the group of Israelites. And we kind of understand why Jesus is going there. In our versions, it says, tested, mm-hmm. tempted, tempted. In verse 1, there's a footnote on it. And if you go down to the bottom of your page, the footnote then says, it can either be translated as tested or tempted. And so, you know, the wilderness kind of involves those two realities happening to you. Either it will test you. For sure. Yeah. Test your, in this case, test your identity. Mm -hmm. Where is the location of your identity most central? Mm. And then it will tempt you also to be unfaithful to your true identity as well as tempt you to be unfaithful to the God who's given your identity. And I think a lot of us that are listening to this podcast and we have all experienced kind of this sense of of a wilderness experience. Oh, yeah. And so there's many things that kind of creates a wilderness experience, right? It's loss of loved ones, rejection, job loss, struggle with sin, just trying to battle the sin and overcome it. And it's health issues It's kind of lack of deep relationships. Transitions create a lot of wilderness experience. Um, And I I hope for anyone that's listening, it's trying to find a way forward through their personal wilderness that they have people to rely on. Because it is hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I know for me, wilderness came a lot with rejection mm-hmm. or came after rejection because mm-hmm. that no, nothing really questioned my identity more than being rejected mm-hmm. whether i felt like i belonged to a group and got rejected by that group yeah. or rejected by that relationship yeah or had a breakup or failed a test or didn't get a job that i thought i deserved mm-hmm. that rejection always kind of shook me at my core and thought man am i good enough Am I worth it? Do I not fit in? And I think in a deeper sense, really touching on identity, is something wrong with me? Mm. Those are the things I always thought about when I was rejected. Yeah. And that took me to the wilderness. Because in the wilderness, what we, what we see in the scriptures in a second is that everything around you is dead. Yeah. Like, that's the desert. It's a dry patch. Like, nothing is alive and so you really got to figure out how you fit in in the desert, yeah. for lack of better words. Yeah, when I think of like wilderness in, in my life, um, I think a word that really stands out to me is disappointment. Like I know for you, it, you were like thinking like rejection, right? That's what you kind of see um, a lot of times when you're going into those times of just, yeah, the wilderness times in your life. Um, 
there's a common thread of rejection. And I think for me, similarly, there's that common thread of disappointment. And that's either, for me, that's either feeling disappointed by other people or feeling like I disappointed others. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes just feels too heavy. That just, it, it really can get me to a dark place, I think. You know, when I just feel let down by other people or I feel like I let down, you know, someone else. Like I just... I have a really hard time with that, and I think, uh, again, there's just a lot. There's a lot of moments in your life where you have those times of wilderness. I think more, most recently, um, in my life, I'm thinking about just this time of transition for me. It has just been a lot this past year, you know, mm-hmm. um, moving from my home in Chicago, where where I grew up. Um, mm-hmm. you know, moving to Florida, moving from, or transitioning from being single to being married, um, transitioning to different jobs. I've had yeah. like a lot of different jobs actually, you know, this past year. And so, um, I think with that, I kind of expected the good to outweigh the bad. Sure. And I'm realizing that actually both just, they both happen, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like at the same That's time. True. One doesn't necessarily outweigh the other. Both are just true. You know, we make fun. <laughs> Lance makes fun of me. Uh, well, not makes fun of me, but I have this. <laughs> I'm trying to make it better. But I have that this little catchphrase that I've really just been honing in on this past year of like, just kind of making space for both, right? Like both are true. I am incredibly happy to be married to this man, right? I'm so happy to be Lance's wife. And... I'm so sad to have left Chicago and left my friends and family and that feeling of home that I had there, right? Like, both are true. Um, And I think those times in my life when I I, I didn't really realize what was going on, right? Because I'm expecting one to kind of outweigh the other, Mm but I'm feeling kind of disappointed. And then there's this, you know, this, this time of wilderness where you just feel, you know, I just can't explain it, right? Where you just feel like so defeated you know um at times so yeah yeah and that it's hard because the wilderness doesn't always give you the cleanest answer right um, and that's yeah. the place where it probably gets the messiest and the roughest roughest yeah uh, because the wilderness if you read the scriptures and the bible and really reflect on the story of israel and i encourage you to read through um, the first five books of the bible because that talks a lot about that is that the wilderness can be due to our unfaithfulness, mm-hmm. meaning our turning away of God's abundance, yeah. but it also can be a place where we find faithfulness, mm-hmm. which is it's kind of this counterpoint. The wilderness exposes the worst in us. Like yeah. it strips yeah. us down to our bare bones, our essence, our truest identity. And if our truest identity isn't the right things, then it probably will show the worst in it's us. It's going to shake us up, yeah. But it also shows us God in the most profound ways. Yeah. Yeah. The wilderness is a place where God's people show themselves to be true to their identity. And we're about to see that in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think I've always fought to figure out where is my identity located? Yeah. Like, where is it? Yeah. Where does it centralize? Is it centered, right, pressing upon Jesus and my identity in him or is it dislocated somewhere else is it is it too heavily on the part of me that's a black immigrant Mm -hmm. or athletic or hard-working or resilient or competent yeah 
Because if it's not, then what we're, we're about to see is a bunch of tests yeah. to see where exactly is your identity at. Right, right. Because Jesus is not alone in the wilderness and he meets Satan there. And we'll start to see in each test, there's something going on, something really, really mm-hmm. heavy. In verse 3, Satan comes and gives Jesus a great offer, at least to a certain degree. The tempter came to him, Jesus, and said, if you are the son of God, he's attacking Jesus' identity. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're the son of God. Mm-hmm. Meaning those three things are true. You're loved and you're well-pleased by God. Well, if, if, yeah. if yeah. you're the son of God, let's test that identity. Yeah. If yeah. you're the son of God, then if you spend 40 days and 40 nights hungry, then just turn these stones into bread. Provide for yourself if you're the son of God. Mm. And that's, that's, the, that's the rub. When we have an identity given to us by God, Satan comes to tempt and test us. Like, is, yeah. is this actually true? Is, is God actually loving you and pleased with you if he's keeping you hungry in the dead of the desert? Yeah. And I think that that's a really good um, point that you're emphasizing, too, that, like, the first thing that Satan is really kind of attacking and testing Jesus on is him being the Son of God. But the first words out of his mouth are, if you are the Son of God. Because if you, if that's not your core identity, right, if that's not the, if that's not the thing you're holding on to, I, I, think there, there, I think there's a reason why Satan starts it with that. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a reason why he's saying, if you are the son of God. Because if we're not holding on to the fact that we are children of God, because like you said, and then that means the other things then follow, right? That we are loved and he's well pleased with us, right? If we don't hold on to those things, we are, oh, yeah, it will really, again, it will just shake us up. And what's, what makes us affirm the identity is what we'll see Jesus do every time when he's yeah. tested by Satan. Satan starts out low, then he goes higher, and he he cranks up the dial of the temptations to disobey. So the first one we just talked about is turning stones into bread. And we actually see that in the wilderness with the Israelites Mm -hmm. in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. I'm not going to read it, but Jesus then quotes it in verse 4. And so we could just read what he says in verse 4. And Jesus answered him, it is written... Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's kind of, this has always been like rub me weirdly because I'm like, well, you're still hungry though. Right, right. (laughs) Like you haven't solved the problem. Right. Your hunger is not satiated. Right. But for Jesus, this test is always about how much we trust God with our identity. This one is the essence of our faith. Like, do you trust God that he will provide for you what you need today? Yeah, yeah. Just a simple question. And it can go as deep as you want it to go. Because the first test is challenging us to not make everything on our own. To seize food and bread on our terms. But on God's terms. Yeah. 
when he says we trust on the word of God, like on God's words, it's not like he trusts in God's word. He could eat the abstract words of God. He's saying that I trust in the promise of God. And so we're thinking about this first test. The takeaways are identity is linked to trusting God with the, the little things, the yeah. simple things, the day-to-day things. Yeah. Food, water, shelter. Yeah. And I think we sometimes look over that reality because we think we manifest our own provision when in reality, like it's a gift from God. Yeah. I don't know how often you think about your bread and food and water being a gift from God, the things you have in your bank account being gifts from God, the daily provision. Yeah. But you know when you realize it's a gift. It's when you don't have it anymore. When you don't have it anymore. Yeah. When you're in a desert. Yeah. Like I remember so many times where I would like have $20 in my bank account in college and be like, all right, this is going to have to make a week. Yeah. That's less than $3 a day. We gotta. That is a gift from God making yeah. it you know, to the other side of the week. Without like an overdraft fee. Yeah, yeah. That's the simple things. But Satan doesn't just stop there. He cranks right. up the dial a little bit more. We're going to start in verse 5. Pick it up in verse 5. Chapter 4, verse 5 then says, The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, mm. once again attacking his identity, Yeah. He said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. This is interesting, because what Satan is doing here is actually misquoting uh, Psalm 91. If you read the whole thing, the first part of it says, trust in the Lord. Yeah. Then, if you, you know, you jump off of something, angels will carry you and protect you. But we can kind of see very directly, number one, Satan is attacking Jesus' identity once more. But he goes from, will God provide, to will God protect. Yeah, yeah. Which I think this is more prevalent or more cogent in our culture today safety and protection mm-hmm. are at an all-time high because I think naturally it's easier to kind of threaten and kind of come across people in a certain way. And even more so, especially identities yeah. on social media where people say you know disparaging things or they slander. Like there's an attacking of someone's identity. Yeah. And here, Satan's like, okay, if you're the son of God, if this is your identity, then your God will protect your identity. Because if you jump off, he will catch you. Right. You will not be right. hurt. And then even on a physical sense, like, do we believe being the son of God affords us, son or daughter of God affords us the opportunity of being protected by God? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really great point, too, because there's times, like... In my life where it feels like where I, I haven't felt protected by God, right? Um, or I, you see all this, just the this pain and this hurt and the suffering in our world. And you question like, yeah, is, is God protecting 
mm-hmm. folks, right? Like, it really kind of, it does, it shakes you up. Um, and then I can even kind of maybe Christianize or spiritualize, like, um, honestly, my lack of faith that God will protect me because it's kind of like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I, it feels that question or, you know, Satan really, ident- like, attacking this, you know, this in the test of, like, will God provide for you? Because for me, it feels like, oh, well, sometimes I feel like God, you know, doesn't provide or doesn't protect, right, um, me. But, like, I'm going to try to, like, I, it, it's hard for me to say that, if that makes sense. Like, it's hard okay. to be real with that. Like, oh, yeah. no, it's not what's happening or, you know. So, anyway, I don't know. I think this is very challenging for me, honestly. Yeah. And I think what's hard is if we locate our identity on, let's say, the first test where, oh, I have a lot of material possessions. I have a lot of food and resources. I am provided for. When the wilderness comes and that part of our identity is tested, what are you without your material possessions? Right. And then if your identity is located around safety, yeah. and protection yeah. what are you when you're not safe yeah. are you no longer human mm. are you no longer a son or daughter of god that's loved and that he's well pleased with the the wilderness is testing where the location of your identity is because especially in uh, america and americanized christianity is we locate those things and we say that is how we know we are blessed by god mm. air quotes where scripture doesn't necessarily say that. That's what, yeah. Because if we are, are Christians and we're resembling Jesus, we realize Jesus was destitute, didn't have a house. His food came from relying on people to provide for him. Yeah. Or in essence, God providing for him. Yeah. So if he locates himself with where his food's going to come from, where his shelter and protection is going to come from, he was not protected. He died. Yeah. yeah he died. Wow. And so, yeah. where is your identity located? Because if it's on the wrong things, when the tests come, we will fail them because we yeah. will lack trust in God. And Jesus responds to, G- to, to, to Satan's um, question, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself off of this temple, which is kind of a dare. Yeah. He responds as, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And it, what that's responding to is when we are in our situations of wilderness, we tend to test or manipulate or force God's hand. Oh, like, God, sure. you better do something to protect me. Sure. You better do something to provide for me. This is a tough situation. I will walk away. Mm-hmm. And so in the moment, it seems like, oh, just jump off and you'll see if, God, if you're truly the son or daughter of God. But Satan is really getting at this part of us that is desperate to seize a bit of control mm. so that we can have a little bit more security on our own right. Yeah. Less trust in God and more trust in ourselves. Mm. We test God while we're tested is not really how we trust God. Yeah. It's just not how it is. But that's not how you develop and deepen trust with God. No, mm. it's not. God says trust. Trust my words. Trust that I will protect you because I love you deeply. Our identities are linked to trust. And that's kind of where we fall as we kind of close out 
the pod. We're good. I'm just, yeah, just really quick. I also just had this idea in my mind, too, that protection might also look different. Because you made yeah. a great point. Like, Jesus was killed, right? So by human standards, in my eyes, right, he really wasn't protected, right? Like, God did not protect him. Um, but again, do I trust who God is? And that God maybe does kind of have his bigger picture and protection might look different than what I think. It's very, it, you know, it's very hard, very humbling. But I think it's a, I think you made a really great point. I think why this idea of, you know, God providing for me or God protecting me and me being like, oh, like a little bit unsettled with that is because I'm putting my identity in those things, right? Absolutely. So if those things go away, of course, I'm going to be shaken up, right? But if my identity if my focus right is on who god is and me being his daughter and him being well pleased with me and him and him being loved you know me being loved by him then if in my eyes if i don't feel safe or if i don't feel provide or if i'm not being provided for right it's not going to shake me to my core because that's not actually where my identity lies absolutely not yeah exactly and, it, and if you think about it those that those things that God is providing in those identities are safe, yeah, right? Yeah. They do provide perfection. I belong to God. Right. And I am becoming someone that is loved by him or living into that truth yeah. more. Yeah. You know, that's our becoming in that part. We're living into these truths each and every day, yeah. which develops that deep trust like yeah. you're talking yeah. about. We may not have it in a material, physical sense, but we still have it. Yeah. Or we will get it later. Like it's in right. a sense, the story doesn't just end with us not having. Yeah. That's not the story yeah. of the Bible. The story of the Bible is us having, us losing, us regaining so mm-hmm. much more along the way. And we close out with the last test, which is interesting because Satan does not say if you are the son of God. He does not say that. He says in verse 8, to close this out, Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give to you, he said. Just bow down and worship me. So he's not attacking the identity. At least, not explicitly. Mm. Jesus says to them, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus is taken to the highest point and sees all of the nations of the world. And he's offered it by Satan. And a lot of times, even growing up, I thought, Satan can't offer this. He doesn't have this power. But he does. He does, yeah. That's why it's a real temptation. And for Jesus, in his story, he can sidestep rejection, death, the work of his ministry, suffering, to gain the results, which is the world. world. Satan just wants one thing his allegiance, yeah. and putting ourselves in the story, he wants one thing for us, from us, our allegiance. Mm. But this is all about identity. Yeah. There's an author, um, he's, he wrote, um, You Are What You Love, I think he said, it's something like that. Mm. His name's James K.A. Smith. And the quote in the book that's kind of central to what he talks about is, you are what you worship. Yeah. Meaning your identity, who you are, is tied to what you worship, the thing you think about the most, the one thing your desires are attached to strongly, the the certain social media posts that get you really, really amped up in a bad way or really, really amped up in a good way. 
He's saying those are the things you actually worship, yeah. not necessarily the things you say, because mm-hmm. we can always say the right mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So for Jesus to be taken to the highest mountain, offered all the kingdom of the world for worship, we probably aren't ever going to be in a situation where we're given the world. Yeah. But we are sure as heck going to be in situations where we're offered things that we really want. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships spouses, money, status, fame, followers, whatever, you name it. There's things that we want desperately. Yeah. And those are the things I would say would cross the line of desire to worship. Mm. And that's all about our identity. Yeah, yeah. If someone took away certain aspects of my identity, would I be okay? Mm. That's, that's, that's kind of what we're getting at. If someone took a portion of your identity, and, not, and I don't want to make it seem as though parts of your identity are less important than other parts. That's not what I'm getting at. But just as a test case, just as a thought experiment, if someone were to take parts of your identity, whether it's being American, for me, an immigrant, being a part of my family, being a part of your family, how would that make you feel? Would that... Would that would that shake you to your core or would you just shift back to your true identity of being a son or daughter of God, loved and well-pleased by him? That's tough. It is tough. That thought experiment is a tough one for me. I have to think about that some more. But that's all we wanted to talk about. Just a nice, quick, abrupt ending. <laughs> but we want... Uh, to offer you Jesus mm-hmm. for a while um, because that's what I'm going to be studying for the longest because um, yeah. he is amazing and awesome and seeing him overcome these tests gives us an opportunity to understand that we can overcome the test. And if you fail the test, whether it's provision, protection, or worship, like there's tons of grace for you because sure. what yeah. we're seeing here is... Jesus is redoing the story of Israel. So this is more about Jesus than it is about us yeah. failing or passing. Yeah. But unless our identity is linked up to Jesus, it can be really difficult not to feel hurt when we don't pass the test. Yeah. So I just want to land the plane by giving you guys some thoughts to think about. Where does your identity come from? And tell the truth about yourself. The good and the bad. And the ugly. Yeah. And also remember, you're a child of God. He loves you deeply. And he's pleased with you before you even do a single action. Mm. And that's what's beautiful about this passage in the wilderness. I don't have a song recommendation this week. Um, but I will say... Lance and I just kind of had a conversation uh, where I was asking him about that last that last uh, kind of thought experiment that that he um, kind of threw out there for us that he shared with us of like uh, you know if there's a part of your identity that you kind of had to give up like what does that you know how does it make you feel um, and I, and then I was telling him I was like oh I, I really am wrestling with this because I feel like are we kind of contradicting what we said in the beginning of like, you know, don't get rid of, we're not saying get rid of these identities, like, you know, 
we are made in the image of God. So our identities and what kind of make us who we are is important, you know. Um, so I was, I was wrestling with that and, and Lent's really helped me with this. So I kind of just wanted to share really quick hearing what he was saying, like his kind of perspective or how he thought through, mm-hmm. um, was one that this, it was just a thought experiment, right? Like it wasn't saying like throw out these parts of you or throw out this identity, you know, um, mm-hmm. it really was just trying to see where in the sense of like, is there something that a part of your identity that you might be kind of worshiping more, um, mm-hmm. than or they just might be worshiping, right? Sure. Like, again, not saying to throw it out, but just to really kind of reflect on, is there something that I am, like, you know, maybe putting at, like, a higher importance than it needs to be? Is there something Absolutely. that I'm holding on too tightly to that it would really mess me up um, and really kind of shake me to my core? You yeah. know, so I and just want to And I think that. just even to share personally, like, I, years ago, like, a lot of my identity was tied to just playing sports and being yeah. athletic. And I got really sick mm-hmm. and I found out I had cancer. Yeah. And so a lot of my identity that was wrapped up in being healthy, yeah. athletic, well. yeah. competitive, I lost it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's yeah. not necessarily that identity doesn't matter, dissolve it away, but more so like naturally in our lives, identities are going to shift. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's almost like we're always kind of Finding belonging and becoming belonging and becoming yeah. belonging as we hit different stages of life mm-hmm. from single to married to married to having kids to being kids of teenagers to empty nesters to all the way up the kind of like life stage ladder, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so there's identities that we think are so core to us that eh, they're not as core to us at certain aspects. It changes. And yeah. so mm-hmm. what I'm getting at is not necessarily we get rid of but realize that if our central and core identity identity isn't the son of or daughter of God, and we don't attach our identities to that, we can kind of lose. Yeah, we'll kinda, lose ourselves a lot. We'll lose ourselves a lot. Yeah, because that because we change so much. Yeah, that's good. Our relationship with each other changed a lot as well. Yeah, like it changed me a lot, and so it was part of my identity that I thought, oh, this is who I am. I'm holding right. on to, but I, I quickly like let it go because it. It's not as central as I thought it would be, yeah, especially yeah. meeting you and, yeah. and kind of developing a deeper friendship and, and marriage. Um, but we want to close out with a couple uh, song recommendations. If you're listening to Donda and Certified Lover Boy, <laughs> I, I encourage you to listen to it if you enjoy it. Yeah. Um, those are not necessarily what I'm listening to at this current moment. Um, but there's a couple, actually, I'll go with a couple books first. Okay. I'm reading this book called Radical Discipleship. Um, I think the woman's name is Fisher. Uh, I don't remember her first name, which is really bad because there's a lot of books that are called Radical Discipleship. Oh, no. Um, but there's another book that I'm reading called Alive in God. It's, um, uh, by Thomas Radcliffe. Thomas, no, not Radcliffe, Redcliffe. I'm probably the worst at recommending books. <laughs> But Thomas Radcliffe is okay. his name. Really great storyteller. Really helps your imagination. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the point of the book. Um, but the songs for this week is we're going to kind of go kind of back to some oldies but goodies. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you can listen to Kick Push by Lupe Fiasco and enjoy 
that kind of music. But that's all we got for this week. We're glad y'all can join us and listen. We hope to hear from y'all soon. Thanks, y'all. Peace and love.